0: Well, welcome to the Live and Learn podcast. It is episode 10. I sound differently than I normally do because I've had a little bout of a cold. But nonetheless, uh, you know, if I'm going to hunker down with anybody and get in close quarters with anyone to talk to for about an hour, why not make that my husband, my love, my Tim? And I know that this is probably deeply a personal episode that maybe some of you might not care about or relate to at all some of you are married so maybe you'll i don't know hear your own dynamics within this episode but nonetheless my husband and i we work together in radio we've been married for five years we've been dating each other for nine or together for nine he's fantastic he's like one of the most genuine souls you'll ever meet on planet Earth. I love him dearly, obviously. So uh, he's not as outgoing as I in the sense that he doesn't necessarily need to be in the limelight or he doesn't want to be focused upon. And uh, so this was quite the challenge for him. I don't think that he wanted to be recording this. And I think you'll hear the tension around that. Uh, I I have edited out a lot of of long pauses because he and I paused long together. So I, I did speed us up a bit just for your ears. We recorded this in our house. It was a Sunday night. We had a fire going. Our cat Clover was curled up with us. The sound quality, I'm not as impressed with. I thought it was going to be a lot better because our room was so airy. There there had to be some pump up on it. So it is best to listen in headphones, I would say. I think that you'll get a different side of me in a relationship with my husband. We are more subdued. Things aren't as... Uh, they're not as nuts as they they normally are with me because he does bring out a calmness and a very relaxed state in me. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because when you work in the public eye and you have to entertain people for a living, it totally blows whenever you come home and you still have to feel on. I never feel that way with my husband. He is somebody who allows me to be my unshelled human. He takes great care of me. I'm a very serious person. And so I think that comes out in this. We do give each other a bit of trouble, so that's entertaining. But if you know my husband, I think you'll get a kick out of this. And if you don't know him, maybe you will like him somewhat. So here it is, my conversation, relaxing at home, literally the sexiest ever by fire with my gorgeous husband, Tim Elwell.
1: Like social media to right. a certain extent. Why is that? I just think that it is a uh, it is a consumption of time that could be spent doing something else. But I think it's good too. What's good it has? For? It has good uh, qualities of connecting people and giving people joy and that sort of thing. What's your
0: favorite social media?
1: Twitter. For sure.
0: And why do you like that so much?
1: I would say I like Twitter because of the... Um,
0: Up-to-dateness.
1: Yeah, the, it's always current of mm-hmm. small little blips of information and entertainment.
0: And then it's it's compact, so people only get so much to uh, put something together. Yeah,
1: and like you can follow celebrities, athletes, news organizations, those kinds of things on Twitter, and get a... Uh, direct line to uh, the person or organization. Mm-hmm. Where Facebook, you know, is similar. but it's a cesspool. Yeah. It
0: really is. That's what I noticed. Like, I'll put, if I, like, I find that I put more of my opinions on Twitter than I do on Facebook. Like, Facebook, I put things that are informative, or if it is an opinion, it's like a long, written-out explanation of my opinion of things, and because I know the reaction to Twitter is going to be, some people will retweet it, some people will just reply, some people will just like it, and that's more of a conversational type of place. Whereas I feel like Facebook is a cesspool of just jerks. <laughs> like people will, people aren't as big of dicks on Twitter as they are on Facebook. I've noticed. And well, why do you think that? I don't.
1: Is? I don't know if I agree with that. Really? I would say that Twitter tends to have the more. Um, anonymous, one-line offensive things. Hmm. But then again, I'm not a frequent user of Facebook.
0: Right. And you're you're probably reading people that you don't know, their reply, like yeah, strangers that aren't following you or that you don't follow that are maybe responding to something you are looking at. I'm talking about, I can almost guarantee when I post something on my Facebook page that is borderline... Controversial, the same 10 people are going to come out with their ridiculousness, and I can almost count on that. And it's on Twitter, I feel like I have so much more of a a great back and forth with people than I do on Facebook. Hmm. Because I feel like people delete Facebook posts more often, or they'll say something out of like aggression, you know, and then they'll take it down later because they are embarrassed. And then, whereas on Twitter, I'll get in a nice, friendly, respectful dialogue with people mostly. Which is very nice.
1: Well, and you don't always see that conversation either. For example, if you post something, you can on Facebook, you see the thread of everybody mm-hmm. that's saying something. But if you see somebody's tweet, you don't necessarily see the responses, obviously, unless you click on it. Right. You know, so it's even uh, it's a step back, I'd say, from normal Facebook conversations.
0: I'm so surprised that we're starting out talking about social media since you dislike it so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it just um, it adds a lot of uh, unneeded pressure and stress to our lives.
0: Yeah. Do you ever go to my Facebook account or my Twitter yeah. account and look at stuff?
1: I would say I, uh, I look up your uh, Instagram account from time to time. Do
0: you? Because you don't have an Instagram account anymore. Right. But you do it for the points.
1: Yeah, so I, I have all the accounts. I have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Right. But um,
0: You don't use them for personal use? Yeah. stuff?
1: It yeah, makes I, me
0: feel good that you look at that.
1: I like to go in and see another side to you.
0: What do you notice? What do you mean?
1: Well, I mean just the your social media personality right. compared to my wife.
0: Do you uh, see all the Tim Crush Tuesdays?
1: Not all of them. <laughs> but I enjoy hearing about them.
0: Do you hate that or like that?
1: Um, I like it. I know you don't I like love the, it. I like that you show love for me. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel good.
0: I think it's important to, I mean, people obviously know that I'm married, but I I think it's important to celebrate a marriage rather than, like, tear Or, like, I'm not trying to say, like. I think what happens with people sometimes is they, like, joke about their spouse and they're never, like, celebrating their spouse as much on social media. Like, they're not as, I guess, like, nobody goes top shelf with their love In social media Like rather They're like Bitching about Their spouse Or They're showing A side to their spouse That is like Not as serious And I like to Highlight How much I love you Because I think That that's a nice Trend for people To maybe start Is like Hey don't feel bad about It's not like You're showing off Or anything But you should Let people know That you love somebody Yeah I post a lot About myself And I post a lot About the cat And the station And it's like You are such You are The main you are my main person in my life, you know, more than anyone. So, like, why wouldn't you be a part of my experience on
1: Do you wish I would post on social media, love things for you?
0: Sometimes. Honestly, I like that you don't because I think it's cool that you just do not give a crap about social media. But there's moments where I'll think maybe, maybe it would be nice, but I don't, like, get mad at you. <laughs> I'm not mad that you don't. I just think that birthdays or something will come around and somebody will have this, somebody that doesn't, is not in love with me or close to, as close as you and I are, but they'll post something like magnificent about like me on my birthday. And I'm like, well, that's very nice. And then I'm thinking, well, shoot.
1: But it's real life, man. Okay.
0: Well, no, and the, that's the best part is that you, you blow it out of the water in real life. You're not... You don't need a computer screen to do it. That's right. So this is how much you are not on Facebook. When we started, when we met, when we became Facebook friends in 2008, you had a picture from whose wedding was it? I think it's you and PA in the photo, and you guys had the pink vests on maybe?
1: That was uh, Tyler. I don't know whose wedding that would have been.
0: Paul Anthony's?
1: Yeah, it might have been Potts.
0: So (laughs) you're... That picture was from like when? When did they get married? Like oh five?
1: Yeah, something like that. Something like
0: that. So, you didn't have an updated photo for three years, and then us dating, you didn't update your profile picture on Facebook until no, we until we got married. But why did you do that? Why did you want to update it then?
1: I don't
0: know. To our wedding day.
1: I thought that similar to a resume, you got to update your. Profile,
0: so all the ladies know you're taken. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of what uh, what the audience would like to know about you. Yeah,
0: I have some questions. Like one of the well, questions.
1: I was going to say the uh, how we met. I'm sure is a good tale.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell it?
1: Sure. I started at MS Communications in 2008, hoping to uh, find a wife. Yeah, to find a <laughs> significant other. <laughs> No, I was starting out in uh, radio. I had just left 1380 ESPN Radio, got hired on at one. Mm-hmm. technically before you. I started in March of 2008, and you were an intern that summer. And then uh, slowly worked my way up through radio, doing anything and everything to get by as far as promotions, on air, you know, uh, events. Why anything. did
0: you want to go into radio? Like,
1: what did you like about it? I uh, went to ESPN Radio thinking that I wanted to be in sports, some kind of sports industry. Right. And when I was let go due to budget cuts from 1380, found that radio was a fun industry, and it was different from the normal 9 to 5 stuff, and I really enjoyed that. So as I grew through my radio career, started liking music a lot more and concerts and that kind of avenue for experiences. So I wouldn't say I was a big concert goer growing up. Yeah. I went to a handful, but not, obviously, since working in the radio industry, we go to quite a few of them.
0: Yeah, we go all the time now. Well, and you grew up in Nixa, Missouri, which is southwest Missouri, mm-hmm. and you were into sports because you were top athlete, basketball player.
1: I wouldn't say top athlete. Well, you've won awards. I don't know if I've personally won awards.
0: But you were part of teams that were yeah. award winning. I
1: was a part of successful teams.
0: And you went to Maryville because of basketball, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And you I wanted scholarship to, there. No. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
0: I think I knew that.
1: Um, I wanted to continue playing basketball. When I was a senior in high school, we uh, when I was a freshman we won state, and then when I was a senior we got third in state. And obviously, with a team like that, there is a lot of players that are good on the team. And I wanted to continue that basketball mindset into college. Maryville University was one of the places that called, that wanted me to play. And Maryville is a Division three, or was Division three at the time. Uh, Division three doesn't offer athletic scholarships. I didn't know that. They do offer academic scholarships, and I wasn't smart enough to get one of those.
0: Well, but you went there, and obviously it paid off because you made some of the best friends ever in mm-hmm. your life you're still friends with today and then so you're in St. Louis and then
1: I'm in St. Louis I uh, graduate in 06 I move home uh, because I need a place to stay because I don't have a job yet I look and look and look for a job that I want to do and can't find anything until 2007 early 2007 I believe I uh, got an internship at ESPN radio and that's how I got up here so I I did uh, ESPN radio in Delivering Domino's Pizza. And then
0: you get to 97.1 after getting let go because of budget cuts at ESPN. What was, were you always the promotions coordinator? That's the only, that's like what you got accepted into?
1: Yeah, promotions assistant. Started on the lowest level. Got to start somewhere.
0: Got to start somewhere. That's where we all started. Yep. And so I get to MS. I'm an intern because I graduated in December of 2007, and I moved home, and I'm living at home, and then can't get a radio. Same story as you. Can't get anything that I'm looking for. Finally get an internship because of John, uh, because he answered an email, and then I come in June of 2008, that summer, and work all summer, and then the crash of 08 happened, and a lot of people got fired, and... I was just absorbing everything that I could.
1: Yeah, I mean, because we were on the lowest level of things, we weren't as hurt by the right. recession. So then we were friends for a couple of years. Well, I think
0: you're uh, you're going completely over the whole experience right now. Why? Because the the whole thing was, I started, and I was the old rock house whenever that whole night happened, because I don't know how long we had been working together. Like a month? mm Not even that?
1: I think it was longer than that. Really? Yeah.
0: I'd be interested to see when that Logos show was at the old rock house. So anyway, I'm working promotions, and Tim is there with his buddy Keith, and you get my phone number.
1: No, I mean, I think we had staff phone numbers in case you we would call, ask me for my phone. number. Did I?
0: Yes. Because that's the whole way that you texted me that night.
1: Yeah. But I thought I would have already had your phone number. You
0: did not have my phone number. You asked me for my phone number that night and I gave it to you even though I was dating somebody because I thought, well, we work together. I, I was looking at it like a complete transaction. Like we're going to need each other's phone numbers because of work and mm-hmm. like, whatever and so that's the night that you texted me it sucks that you have a
1: boyfriend something like that what on. did i i don't remember what i said something before that where i would be like hey what's up you wanna go to a movie or something
0: no i don't remember that
1: you are saying i just texted sucks, that sucks you have a boyfriend something like that yeah cuz I, I remember think being I like that.
0: i gotta delete this off my phone before i get home cuz mm-hmm. i was like worried so then, I in my this is my perspective of this, which is interesting to hear your perspective because I guess it's different. I was like, okay, this guy thinks that I'm just some ditzy blonde that's just gonna like sleep with everybody I work with, which is not me at all. And tried to avoid you, but since we worked so close, like we were working on everything together, so it was impossible. And you're hilarious, so then you would be making me laugh, and we we became friends. We became great friends from 2008.
1: I'm just thinking. Of- I don't think I was as um, forthright. Yeah,
0: I think you were. I don't think so. That's what's been burned into my brain for almost ten years.
1: Well, I, I know that I respected the boundaries of relationships, as did you. So it's not right. like I was. I did you. I guess I didn't... Uh, you're making it sound like I was overstepping that line.
0: No, I just think that it wasn't like that. I just think it was a passionate moment of you being like, Sex sucks you have a boyfriend. I really like this girl. That's what I took it as. Now, in yeah. the moment, I was like... Oh. I, I looked inward and thought, what did I do to provoke anyone to think that I'm available or what... I, I know I had a tube top on, but...
1: <laughs> do you remember <laughs> what you were wearing?
0: I do. I do you remember.
1: Well, yeah, I remember... And then those years being friends and getting to know you better and stuff, that was fun. And then I professed my love to you, and I made you a mixtape.
0: Yeah, let's explain this, though, because I was in a relationship that wasn't the best towards the end. And I would come into work, and it would be pretty rough. And so one of the things that I always looked forward to was coming into work, because I love what I do. And you and I, and all the promotions people were all just so much fun to be around and all of us hung out and like it was you know it was very communal and everybody was kind of in each other's lives and you know at the station out of the station we all hung out developed these great friendships and anyway I would come into work pretty upset sometimes and you would take it upon yourself to cheer me up just be a good friend and not you were not trying to have any I didn't I thought at the time I was like oh we've just become great friends and that's all we're gonna be and then you made me this mix
1: yeah and before that, I, I think I too was under the mindset that oh, we're just going to be friends. We're not going to, right? We're not going to have a love future.
0: And then here comes the mix, and it was for my birthday, which was in March. You had cut all of these songs up and essentially made like an actual mix. Like it wasn't like a track; every song wasn't on the track. It was like parts it was of songs, cl- cut.
1: clips of songs, yes, with lyrics of confessions of love,
0: right? And it was beautiful. And it was a total shock because I was not prepared. I didn't know that you still had feelings for me and that, you know, the feelings that I had been kind of pushing away were confirmed. And I'm like, oh, my God, like we we make each other happy. He's handsome. We work together. So that's going to have to be figured out. But wow, I had no idea that this great guy is likes me this much.
1: Yeah, I was to the point where I needed to tell you one way or the other whether you were going to go for it or not. Mm-hmm. It was kind of one of those where I had to profess my love to have a uh, like I guess the future self would feel better about.
0: Right. It's Jim and Pam 2.0 all the way. Yeah. And so then, it, you know, that we didn't go out right then or anything. My relationship was on the outs before that tape and then I got out of that relationship, and then so many months, like, I let's see, March to August, we started dating in August, you and I, and actually at the Rush concert, mm-hmm. we decided August 22nd, 2010.
1: I was thinking about that. How did we get to meet Rush that night? Uh, why this, w- would <laughs> us being on the, on the promotions team, why would we be able to get into that?
0: Because Tony Boozy Cruz is the best. Oh. He knew that we would love that in our lives, and <laughs> we did. So we got to meet Rush, or at least uh, Alex and Getty, we got to meet them on the day that we decided to go public and say, we're dating, and scream it from the rooftops. And there's a great photo of us. And then look at us now. Now we're married, and we have a cat.
1: Cat's sitting on my lap right now.
0: Yep, she's enjoying this. This is the first time ever that Clover's here for the podcast being recorded. She's been in the opening and closing credits, but never actually here for the entire Okay, so some of our listeners had some comments slash questions. Rob asks, he says, I've been married for 20 years, so I have to ask, what's a typical thing you guys fight about or usually disagree on? And who's usually right?
1: Hmm. I would say I'm right majority of the time.
0: (laughs) And why is that? Because one of us is very impulsive and... (laughs) Emotes first
1: what, what would you say We argue about
0: Um We argue about Home decor You and I Have the sa- We have very similar tastes Which is Thank God Because like We like the same colors And we like How th- Like we like to have Minimalism and modern-looking things, but still homey. And like, for instance, whenever we redid the bathroom this year, picking out the wall color was the big deal because we—I mean, we could stand in front of a you know a Lowe's color wall and argue ourselves to death about why or why not the color. So I would say color schemes and home decor.
1: Yeah, but you win those most of the time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it's always a good idea. You always, like, come around. Like, you thought that the walls in the bathroom were going to be really too dark. Yeah. And then with the white vanity, yeah, it opened it up. What else do we disagree on? I would say that you are really good at holding me accountable of things. If I'm in an argument with somebody else that I love very much and I'm expressing myself to you, you have always been, like, devil's advocate to me. Sometimes you'll get on board with me 100%, but, like... Most of the time, you make me look inward and make me look at myself and see like when, it, how, if I'm overreacting or something or underreacting. So. I was
1: gonna say, in the kitchen, you hate it when I come into the kitchen and yeah. start poking around when you're <laughs> trying to make something.
0: I don't. I don't like the way that you clean up after yourself in the kitchen because you don't do it to my level that I need it to
1: be. I'll say, hey. Babe, I'll go, I'll do the dishes. Right. And you go, okay. And then slowly you start bringing all the dishes in. You start washing (laughs) a few of them while I'm standing there. Right. And I go, hey, I can do this. I can wash the dishes. You do the
0: dishes well. It's the puddles of water that are left on the counter that I can't stand. Mm -hmm. But I'm very grateful that you do the dishes. And you cook. You've been I'm.
1: I'm learning to cook.
0: You're learning to cook so that if something ever happens to me. You can survive. Jeremy says, how did you become a Chiefs fan, and where would Chiefs winning a Super Bowl rank in highlights of your life?
1: Hmm. I became a Chiefs fan growing up. My uh, family is all from the Warrensburg area, so it's about 45 minutes an hour south of uh, Kansas City. So we grew up Chiefs and Royals fans and became more Chiefs football more than anything, so when I got up to college, all my friends were Cardinals fans, so I jumped on the bandwagon for Cardinals, so I consider myself Chiefs Cardinals. Winning the Super Bowl, um, I really have a tough time imagining it, like just like the Blues won, mm-hmm. and it had been so long, I just uh, I just can't wrap my head around it. That they would be in the Super Bowl playing the championship. Might have in this year. It could. I thought it was going to be last year. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it. So, I don't know.
0: Would you go to the Super Bowl?
1: I would uh, consider it, depending on where it was and how much it cost.
0: I think you should go. I think you and your brother should go. That's worth it. Even if it's, like, very expensive. Yeah. You guys should go. I don't want to go, but you guys should go.
1: But, I mean, you always hear people, you don't watch the entire game if you're at the Super Bowl type thing. You Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of distractions and stuff like that.
0: We went to the AFC Championship last year, and that was pretty amazing.
1: It was an incredible game.
0: Jay asks, (laughs) what do you dislike most about my being a public figure, Hmm. being in this job?
1: I don't know. I, I enjoy when we're... Out and about And somebody Recognizes you And Mm -hmm. I think That speaks to your Brand And your How you carry yourself That people like you Mm -hmm. You know People see what I see But dislike I guess that would Kind of go hand in hand With uh crazy people that would, uh, you know, when you go to an event or something and someone may cross the line or something like that, when I'm not there, it's not as uh, comforting for me.
0: Right. You're also kind of a celebrity.
1: I wouldn't call it that.
0: I think so. Many people know you as Mono Tim on the point. How did you become Mono Tim?
1: I was on, uh, I was filling in for Patrico when it was the Woody and Rizzuto show as a producer. And I... Would have to do traffic and weather <laughs> on their show.
0: Who asked you to do this? I don't it know. Ready?
1: No, it was probably Patrico. Hmm. Patrico was probably just wanting someone to fill in for him. You know. Yeah. Woody and Riz were in there, and I started reading the news and weather, and it was just like this. They were commenting on my monotone voice. Yeah. So they started calling me Mono Tim. <laughs> so then I I would fill in for Patrico from time to time, and they would. Continue the shtick. I will go on the Rizzuto show here and there and fill in for Donnie when he's doing the real or fake results. And what is that all? Real or fake? It is probably one of the most popular segments on the Rizzuto show, Mm. where the guys pick. uh, They look at a picture of boobs and (laughs) pick whether they are real or they're fake.
0: Are you good at playing that game?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say so. I don't participate in that, so I, I just read the results.
0: Right, your mom's going to hear this and be very impressed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I tried to explain it to her one time. <laughs>
0: she, what did she say?
1: I think she was just like,
0: "Huh." Hmm. When you play guitar, Brian wants to know. When you play guitar, do you play left-handed or right-handed?
1: I play uh, right-handed.
0: You also play the banjo right-handed. I do. And you're also a drummer. I try, and we have a piano now. You're quite musical.
1: Yeah, I would say I'm mediocre at it all,
0: but you enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I, the banjo is probably the most fun right now because I can sit in front of the television and relax and just kind of pick at it. That's the hardest thing is trying to uh, to get better at. I, I would say
0: my band wants you to come play banjo on a song.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to learn Journey of the Sorcerer by Who by the Eagles by the Eagles. With the old burning leaden, yeah, we got a piano. What? Uh, what's your? Uh, what was your first instrument? Have you played? You know how to play guitar. I'd say you know how to play better guitar than me.
0: I learned guitar first out of all my instruments.
1: How old were you?
0: Um, my dad showed me some things. Showed me a couple of power chords when I was probably like nine. Um, on his guitar. On his guitar, and I hated playing it because my fingers hurt because I didn't have calluses yet on my hands, my baby hands. <laughs> and so, and my hands are small, and so I wasn't able to play a regular-sized guitar as a kid, and so the power chords were just easy enough to where I could do that.
1: Do you remember what the first song was you played?
0: Um, I don't. Or, no, you know what it was? I do. It was the, um, oh, God. Walking, so Blister sorry. in the sun Yes, that I knew how to like do the opening part of that mm. So as I got into high school My dad bought me a, a fake Stratocaster I don't remember what it was, what brand it was It was like a Fender starter pack for kids That came with like an amp and, Or, or maybe it was a Squire That sounds familiar And so my dad had that shipped up for Christmas one year And then I started to take lessons in Columbia with my friend Megs. She was learning bass, and so she and I were going to have a band.
1: And What was that called? Couch Connections. Couch connection, Connections, and it was just the two of you? Nope.
0: It was. So my friend Tim Lom had his drum kit in our basement at my mom's house. Uh, my friend Kyle Riebling played guitar, so, sort of, and he sang. I had my guitar for rhythm. Megs had a bass. And so after school, we would always, not always, like once a week, come over to my house, and we would jam,
1: and it sounded like absolute dog crap. Couch Connection sounds like an acoustic duo, just sitting around.
0: Yeah. It was essentially four kids eating McDonald's after school, touching an instrument. Making noise. And making noise. Yeah. Did you ever have a band?
1: Not really. So I was in eighth grade when I got my drum kit, the drum kit I currently have still. And, um, you got
0: that for Christmas, didn't? You?
1: Mm-hmm. I took lessons and found how to keep a beat and stuff. And one of my buddies, his name's Denton Mabe, who was a—he's <laughs> a, yeah, a guitarist and singer—was for the Bald Knobbers show down in Branson. Mm-hmm. Cause the Mabe family uh owns it anyway so he's a really good guitarist and singer him and i would jam around and stuff and the closest we ever got to a band was we played at a party at uh my house where he was playing guitar and i was playing drums and that was pretty much it
0: like a party that you threw
1: yeah i'm trying (laughs) to think i think my parents were there but yeah that would have been the uh the first time to really play in in a live setting
0: do you want to be a musician I don't think so. Why?
1: I think I have too much anxiety to get up on stage and then I would be up there thinking about I'm gonna have to take a shit. I gotta go.
0: <laughs> Tim and I talk about this pretty uh, regularly with anything any any sort of performance. So like you and I've talked about how we can't believe nobody's ever run off stage during a televised performance. Because they all of a sudden, like, get hit with diarrhea and have to, like, run off stage. And I, watching all the impeachment proceedings, my question there is, like, what are these people taking that are getting questioned on live television by these authoritative figures, and how are they not pooping their pants the whole time? Yeah,
1: I mean, did they not eat anything right the entire day before, just so they'd have an empty stomach?
0: Yeah, I mean, that has to be what happened.
1: I enjoy the thought of performing in front of a live audience, mm-hmm. but I couldn't... Uh... I don't think I could do it.
0: I have the band. Our band is having its first show in January, and I'm terrified that I'm going to have to run off stage and have the nervous, uh, nervous poops.
1: But you have the advantage of being the lead singer, where where if,
0: everybody's watching you and everybody needs you there. No, yeah.
1: <laughs> you can you can grab the mic and just go, "Hey guys, we're going to take quick quick ten here. I'll be back just after this. Go grab a beer, tip your waiters." <laughs>
0: That's what I'm going to do?
1: Yeah, that's the easy way to do it.
0: We just celebrated our fifth anniversary. How do you feel like marriage is going?
1: Really good. (laughs) We have um, a lot of love. We're happy. We don't have uh, financial issues, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. Health healthy,
0: issues, yeah. So it's good. It's a good place to be right now. Five mm-hmm. years in, I would say that this year's been pretty tough um, emotionally, though. Our, I, I think our emotional, psychological states have been a little heightened this year. At least I, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, which I've talked a lot about going to therapy and like trying to figure my life out. With a lot of people want to know, you know, are you guys going to have kids? And like, you and I are still taking our time to get that figured out. We're both not on the baby train per se.
1: We're not we're not dying to be parents.
0: Yeah, we're not dying to be parents, but we both have ebb and flows of should we do this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, because I think we would make excellent parents. Yeah. And it warms my soul to think of you as a dad and like being able to download everything that we've learned and all of the love that we have in our lives into a little person would be amazing. But then there's just like, you know, that whole responsibility and just like what if we messed it up? <laughs> Or I, I feel like I don't understand how anybody ever decides to have kids. Why?
1: We went to the therapist together to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Kind of have a third person interpret it. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, we still uh, haven't come to a decision.
0: We haven't. It's a hard one. I talk to a lot of people about how they get there, you know. And we have so many friends that, like, knew from the get-go that they wanted to be parents. And then we have... Friends that from the get-go knew they didn't want to be parents. And we have people that have gone through IVF or have gone through, um, you know, losing their child very late in the pregnancy. Or You know, we've, we've literally, we have a nice spectrum of human beings that are great enough to share their experiences with us and are open with us about it, you know. So it's not, with, it's not a decision that's without total contemplation. Right. You know, like we definitely think about it often and have talked to a number of people. So yeah, so in case anybody's wondering about that,
1: <laughs>
0: we're still undecided. We're still <laughs> discussing it. What do you think we'll be like when we're old?
1: Mm, I think we'll be pretty similar. Isn't that what they say? Once you turn thirty, you just get older, but you don't have the, you don't change your mind.
0: <laughs> um, is, is that what is that it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to be this at mm-hmm. seventy eight.
1: I think I've heard that somewhere. Hmm. What do you think we'll be? We'll sleep in separate rooms and eat at different times? Right,
0: we won't be eating together. I always want us to be Roz and Bernie Fokker. That's my ultimate goal for my life with you, is to have that sort of love. In our late 60s, I will be teaching a sexual tantric uh, yoga class at our house, and we'll have statues of naked people everywhere, and then you'll have Hawaiian shirts on. And...
1: I could get down with Hawaiian shirts.
0: I know you could. So that's my goal, is to just have, like, a, and, and be as in love and having the best time as they are. Yeah. That's my hopes and dreams.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, the same, you know. I mean, as long as that fire is still there.
0: Yeah. It's still burning. Because you know what my favorite thing about you is? What? You genuinely entertain me. You are funny, you're handsome. You are you have impeccable timing with things, even serious things. We have very good timing when we talk about them or if you are explaining yourself or telling me something. But my favorite thing that you do is you make me laugh really hard. I think as long as you continue to be funny, this is gonna go really well.
1: Oh good. <laughs> <laughs> just, keep up with new yeah, just keep coming up with new material.
0: just keep coming up with new material.
1: Well, what do I love about you? Mm. Let's see. I would say your personality brings out the best in me.
0: Because you get to be more normal and I get to be nuts.
1: Yeah, you make everyone in the room feel good. Oh. And you're beautiful.
0: I talk a lot about our sustainable lives and how we are trying to be better oh, humans. good one. You are very, you are part of the Sierra Club. You are the sustainability manager for Hubbard Broadcasting. You are the spearhead at our house for all things recycling and use, you know, reuse and everything that we do. You know, you have the environment at the forefront of how we are trying to live. And and we still have a lot of work to do on ourselves. We are by no means perfect yet at this, but I love... That we connect on the fact that we love the earth so much and the animals and the people on it that we want to share our our ideas and our hopes and we want to change our habits and we want to promote that. Yeah. And I would say that just in the last handful of years, you really have dived into learning as much as you can and following trends and people that are innovators. So what is your, what is your muse through all that? Like, why did you become such an environmentalist?
1: I think I um, came to the realization of helping the earth is the best way to help everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's what my goal in life is, is to impact the world in a positive way. Right. So when I started, you know, getting into, I've always been a fan of the outdoors and stuff and getting into recycling and conservation and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I it, it's no secret at work that I am actively looking for a job in the green industry yeah. my bosses know that and the whole sustainability movement I think is such a um, topic that doesn't need political sides of any kind right. the sustainable way of life is simply how you can (laughs) how you can conserve your resources save your money and do what's best for the planet so it's not like a uh, something that
0: only some people benefit yeah right
1: so like recycling is is something that everyone can start doing you know Mm -hmm. but that's I think that's what is so attractive to it It's, it's there's no, um, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal lean to being able to be sustainable in our lives.
0: I find just in my listenership, cause that's the one thing that I don't mind being very out there about in my political, st- even though it's not political, it is people think that it is. And, and, and honestly, it's, unfortunately the politicians' faults for making it political because they're taking a side on it and that's dividing people and therefore we're kind of wasting our time with getting things together that can help all of us. And um, I have found that I speak with conviction on like, yeah, I want to help as many people as possible and everybody benefits from the earth being healthy and the animals being healthy and just the whole ecosystem and The hierarchy of how the food chain goes and everything is all wrapped into this planet's health. And the argument that I get from people, it is like a narrative, like they feel like they, that people that believe in climate change or that things are happening to the environment, people on the other side of that argument think that it's a narrative for messing up with money. And it's like, you're not going to have a job if the planet sucks. Like we're going to need to be spending money on clean water more than we already are, like, or being able to have a humidity that, or not a humidity, an atmosphere that is livable. And if you're very pro-life, like, why wouldn't you be pro-Earth? Because what about future generations? And what about the little people that are going to, when all of us are dead, you know, the people that are just getting born right now, like, they're going to have to endure uh, unlivable standards, possibly. And why not be safe than sorry if you don't believe in it all the way? Sure. You know, so I'm so thankful that you and I are passionate about that. And I, I love what you've already done with all of your sustainability efforts. It's sexy, honestly. No, oh, it is really? Yeah, it is.
1: That's the first time I've ever heard that.
0: Well, I'm telling you right here in front of all these people. And that kind of plays, not to bring it back to the kid topic, but you and I have discussed having our own baby versus adopting a baby and, uh, or adopting a person. You know, we don't necessarily feel environmentally ethical about birthing out one more person to endure all this, like when there's plenty of children that Mm -hmm. So I'll just put that in everybody's hat too That that goes into the whole decision making of having children Is what type of earth are we going to leave them with Has this been substantially awkward for you? Pretty much Yeah Were you surprised that I wanted to have you on the podcast? A little bit Why?
1: I don't know Why would anyone want to listen to this?
0: I think people will notice a different temperament of me Which is more This is my natural state It's not rambunctious and loud. I mean, we are literally sitting uh, cross-legged right now, staring at each other with a microphone in between us with a fire fizzling out to our left and right, and we're at home. And I think people have never heard you talk before, some people.
1: Yeah, that might be true.
0: Do you have any closing statements or arguments that you'd like to close with? Anything you want to just put out there, send it into the airspace forever.
1: I hope that whatever we do in 2020 that everybody votes for the right person. Ooh. Well, this has been fun.
0: That's great. Thanks, Tim.
1: Thanks for having me today.
0: Will you come back some other time?
1: Yeah, give it a couple of years.
0: Give it a couple of years. We'll check in with you again.
1: Yeah, that'd be fun.
0: He's fabulous, isn't he? I love him very much. Thank you, babe, for uh, enduring this. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, ever. (laughs) Uh, I don't blame him. I totally get it. But that is my husband and I at home, kind of intrusive now that I really think about it, that I allowed this to even be something that I would push out into the ether. But nonetheless, that is us at home. And I think it may be, We'll give somebody who's ever been curious about Tim or maybe has known him from his public time to understand what it's like to be at home with us. And if you almost fell asleep, we get it. We have a very relaxing state of mind at home and it's uh, full of moments of love and moments of jokes and some serious moments as well and lots of honesty. There's going to be a Christmas bonus or a holiday bonus, rather, for the month of December. I am very excited to kick off my promise for two episodes a month and so I don't know what date it's going to be released yet. I'm still working that out but I'm going to have author David Itzkoff on with me and he is going to talk about his biography of the late comedian and just movie star that we all love so much, Robin Williams. David Itzkoff was in town for the Jewish Book Festival. I got to sit down with him and uh, talk about His time with Robin Williams, captivating. If you're like me, you miss Robin Williams. And so it'll be a really nice Christmas treat for everybody, holiday treat, to have that perspective of that book, which is in stores now. and has been out for a year or so. So David Itzkoff will be my next guest. I know I'm doing two dudes in one month, but I'm going to try and get back to the chicks, maybe double chicks in January, kind of keep up with my ladies. Look for David Itzkoff, my next episode of the Live and Learn podcast. Rate, review. I know that the sound quality on this episode wasn't the best, I have that in my mind, trust me, but I didn't feel like throwing it out. So I hope you enjoyed it and I will talk to you again soon. Have a fabulous holiday and be on the lookout for the next episode, episode 11 of the Live and Learn podcast. Peace.